Amen. So we're in our uh, book on prophetic people, volume two, and uh, we're in the <clears throat> power gifts of the spirit so that you will get a good understanding of what's available to you as servants of God. We are uh, people who are on call to um, serve as the Lord would serve in the earth. Uh, he's in heaven doing his ministry, but he lives in us. And that was the uh, the surprise of the enemy when he found out that he couldn't hold any. Uh, there was one man or one person that he could not hold in hell. The bonds of hell could not hold him. And so that was a big shock to him. Nobody had ever done that before. And that is died and come down and then come back up again. You got me? And so that's us. We're part of that body of believers who have resurrection life and power in us. And it is our mission in the earth to operate in that resurrection life and power. we got to learn these things, though, folks. They just don't come out of thin air. Uh, it's not magic. But even magicians have to learn their craft. You know, they'll pay good money. Uh, to learn a trick from somebody or something like that. And so we, we say the gospel's free because we give it out freely, but there is a price to pay in way of, of diligence and sacrifice, whatever it is that you have to do personally to spend that time in the Word and spend that time with God. And, and so this is that time where we gather together and we, we put our, ourselves in <clears throat> the center of God's knowledge so that we can understand how he moves through believers to accomplish his will. And that's what we want to do here. So um, we're talking today about the gift of faith. That's the first one that we're talking about. It says the gift of faith is defined as unusually strong supernatural faith that comes to rescue one from trouble, Bring a quick remedy to a problem or spare a person from destruction or death. And it often accompanies the gift of the working of miracles. The gift of the working of miracles. So <clears throat> there, is a, there is a faith that's on our words when we speak. And there is a faith that's on our movements when we act. But then there's a different level, a heightened level of faith that must come in to do the immediate, to do the miraculous, to do the right now. And that's the gift of faith. And we have to understand how this gift works. It works at the discretion of the Holy Spirit. He knows what's needed in what situation. So he'll set the stage and open the door for these things to happen. They do not happen unless he deems it necessary. So many times we'll be wanting to get an immediate miraculous result, you know, kind of an abracadabra type thing, if you will, you know, pardon my vernacular. But you know what I'm talking about. We want to see whatever happened happen immediately. But that's not our call. You got me? That's not your call. And it should never be your call. Never. Got me? 
Now, we all want everybody to be healed. And that's wonderful. Put your faith toward ministering to whomever is there. But the Holy Spirit himself will let you know if that's going to happen that way in that situation. You got me? You don't know how it's going to turn out until that faith starts to move through you. That's your first inclination of how it's going to go. And so you need to be more concerned with paying attention to the Holy Spirit than making some kind of futile demand on God to do something right away. Because the person you're ministering to may not be expecting right away. So there you got obstacle number one sometimes. I'm not saying that, that what they want goes all the time. Because there are times when people will just kind of leave themselves open and God will go and, you know, do it. And they're shocked as the minister is. I mean, nobody was expecting it like that. So you got to trust the Holy Spirit. These things are done as the Spirit wills. Don't get wound up, bound up, and goofed up by being result-oriented in that you want everybody that you touch to miraculously flip over in the immediate. There's something screwy about that. Because the Bible says believers will lay hands on the sick and then what happens? Does it say when? Okay. See, many times we short their miracle because if they don't recover immediately, we pull our faith back. We get discouraged. We get stupid. We get crazy. That's why it's good to make sure people know that they can take the medicine of the word no matter what. It's always good to meditate on the word. It's always good to feed on the scriptures, you know, always. And so instead of us putting so much pressure on ourselves to bring a certain level of performance, why don't we just trust the Holy Spirit? He knows what he's doing, how he's doing it, when he's doing it, and what that person needs. Sometimes people are overwhelmed with the discomfort of illness. And that's totally understandable. But God gives them relief from torment if they'll be obedient to him. And many times we don't know what that person's relationship, the condition of their relationship with God, and the Holy Spirit will begin to minister to them sometimes in the realm of having a stronger relationship with God so that they're not as bothered or tormented by things. See, there are some things that I live with now that when I was a sinner, I'd be at the doctor's office. And you all are like that. Y'all don't show up there nearly as often as you do at the altar nowadays, do ya? Huh? And most of us are smart enough to whoop out our, our uh, Walkman and uh, Talkman and MP3 player. You know, see how things change so quickly. But we're smart enough to go after healing on our own based on our relationship with God. We know we have a covenant of healing with God. And so <clears throat> these things are important for us to understand, but we have to more and more respect the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Respect the Holy Spirit. Just be a servant. Just go and do what he tells you to do and put as much faith as you can put into it 
but don't be the person who has to have it a certain way. Got me? It's like it's like if I were a waitress and I refuse to serve pasta because I don't like it. Well, it ain't for me. Somebody else ordered that. All you have to do is take the plate, what's on it, and give it to them. You ain't, you know, who? What do you care? What flavor it is, or how fattening it is, or how not fattening it is, any of that stuff. And so we have to remove ourselves from these situations as far as demanding certain things from God. That's not your place to do that. That's not a servant's place. A servant's place is to be obedient. Expect the compassion of God to move and help that individual. Keep yourself open to serve whoever, whomever, and wherever. And keep keep up on your, your own, you know, uh, spiritual growth and development. Stay faithful to God. You know, keep your, when you have free time, spend it doing something spiritual instead of something that's going to get you a, a court order, you know. It's true. It's true. See, sometimes we don't know what to do with our free time. Huh? <clears throat> if you'll dedicate yourself more to the Lord, you'll be able to understand how these things happen better. And you'll be better equipped to allow the power of God to flow through you freely, unhindered, so that the work can get done. That's what you want to do. You want to be a vessel that show that uh, that has no obstacle or, or represents no obstacle to the power of God flowing through you. And what you want to have a free flow of the power of God in your life. So it's an unusually strong supernatural faith, and it comes in particular situations. So this will show you why you don't get a miracle every day. Well, come on, let's go back and read with me. To rescue somebody from trouble, bring a quick remedy to a problem, to spare a person from destruction or death. Huh? So does that sound like your everyday somebody at work having a bad time and you want to pray for them situation? So let us not get power grabby and power hungry. And disgruntled because these these things don't just fall on us every day like clockwork. They're for specific kinds of situations. Paul and Silas, I'll give you a good example. They were on their way to a prayer meeting, if I recall correctly. And the same little girl that's been following them for about a month now is following them again. But today is different. Paul gets sick of her. He'd been sick of her, but he said, today I'm through. He probably even said within himself before he went out, she come back running after us again today, I'm nailing her. Huh? And he did. And he cast that stupid devil out of her by the authority of the Holy Spirit. That wasn't his decision. That was the Holy Ghost, man. You can't do anything on your own volition. Not with that kind of power. He don't let us abuse power. So this is all orchestrated by God. Well, they get thrown in jail. And so they 
sit there in jail for a while and they decide, well, why sit we here until we die? Huh? So they just resume the prayer meeting. If you ask me, we were on our way to a prayer meeting. We got interrupted by this arrest. So I'm, well, why don't we just continue the prayer meeting? I, we thought we were going to do it at what's-her-name's house, but we ain't there. So let's do it here, like just go on with God's business. And they began to worship God and to sing praises to God. Not to open any prison doors, but that's what you do when you love God. And it's what you do when you need God. That's how you invoke the power of God. You begin to worship him and praise him. And it's not that they were doing anything unusual. People call on God when they're in trouble all the time. I don't know why music people have gotten the impression that somehow praise is some kind of magic wand to get you out of everything. Praise is what you do all the time if you want to call God. He responds to the praises of his people. Got me? And there's no good place or bad place to praise God. You just praise him because you want his power to come. You want his presence. You want him to come and help you. You want him to hear you. You want him to know you in jail. You want him to know you want out of there. You got me? So that's how you call God. You worship him and praise him. That's his phone number. See, it's funny how we can accept things, explanations, on a carnal level. Now, you and I know we all do this. We praise God when we need something. If you're at home and you need something, you say, Father, I thank you. I thank you. That's the same thing they did in jail. They just had to contact God as soon as possible. Johnny Cochran not being available at that time. (laughs) If it don't fit, that's right. So they was trying to get an unfit in the situation. Trying to get an acquittal. So there you see the gift of faith in operation. That one of them songs they sung had supernatural faith on it and it broke every chain in that place. Hello. So that's not your normal praise and worship. That's not a praise and worship gimmick where whenever you need God's power, you can just start praising him and everything opens up and some kind of miracle happens. That was a special gift of faith on those words in that situation. You got me? If it were an automatic thing, we'd have more praisers in prison than you and I know about. Hello? Now, don't get me wrong. I love praise and worship, but I ain't attributing all of that power to every time you say praise the Lord. It's going to happen like that. Nor do I think praise becomes an automatic get me out of jail free card when you need something either. So they needed to be rescued from trouble. Because you get in them Roman jails, you never get out, and you don't know when Caesar going to make a decree and everybody's head get cut off. So you don't want to stay around there and wait 
72 hours for a writ of habeas corpus or your lawyer to show up or anything like that. You want to get out there as soon as possible. You understand me? It's not like our judicial system. You know, we we feed and clothe more criminals. You know, a lot of them just wanting to get in there. Well, I can do that. I do that. I can do five years standing on my head. Yeah, I could too if I all I did. They got me up. They wake me up and don't let you oversleep. You do a little bit of work. Come on now. You get fed all day long. So it's supernatural, unusually strong supernatural faith this faith is not on every time you praise and worship you got me it's unusually strong supernatural faith so it's a gift of faith there people need to understand the difference you know you kind of get a little perturbed sometimes They make things seem so easy, so simple, and I'm not saying God's complicated, but I'm saying there's certain things God does and certain things he doesn't do. You don't get chains broken every time you praise God. You got me? You don't get a prison door opening every time you praise God. You don't get, those aren't just, it's not a formula. It's not an automatic formula. These things are done as the Spirit wills. As the Holy Spirit wills. There are many people who have praised God in prison and got up and was still in chains. Some of them even wrongfully accused. You got me? So these things you must know are the will of the Holy Ghost. Why does he will that way? Nobody knows. But he does things after the counsel of his own will. There's a purpose that he does things. And he doesn't have to explain them to us. He can if we'll ask and wait for the answer, but he doesn't have to explain things to us. So it'll spare a person from destruction or death. Supernatural faith. It often accompanies the gift of the working of miracles. There was a prophetess that gave a testimony one time, and she was saying that she had... uh, uh, Someone was sharing with her what happened to them. And they were trying to cross railroad tracks. And the car stalled. And the wheel locked. They couldn't even turn the wheel. They couldn't back up. They couldn't go forward. And trains coming. And they kept saying, in in the name of Jesus. And then finally she said, Jesus, turn this wheel. Boom. Off the railroad tracks. Gift of faith. She was asking, she was declaring that whole time, and then suddenly on her words, this Holy Spirit moves and it happens. Sometimes the gift of faith happens because you don't try it once and quit. You got me? The Holy Spirit knows you mean it. And he knows it's coming out with great faith and great force. And he will put his gift of faith on those words and the miraculous happens so we have to know there's a distinction between the faith of the son of god in a regular fashion the believer's level of faith and the gift that comes to rescue from destruction to rescue 
in an emergency, you need this gift operating. You understand me? But know that if you will cry out to God and express your desire and your need as best you can, that gift can work for you. Got me? Never give up. And never think because it's hard for you in the natural that God won't do it. All right. Since the prophet's office requires the gift of supernatural faith, it's a requirement for the prophet. In order to obey the direction of the Holy Spirit, he must develop his dependence on God and believe that the gift of faith will be available to him. So this is your part. To believe that whenever that gift is needed by you, there is no um, uh, impossible situation. You've got to understand that. You've got to believe that there is a remedy for every solution and that God will give you the remedy through one of his spiritual gifts. Okay? And if you need supernatural faith and a miracle, that will be made available to you. It's it's a it's a matter of believing that these gifts are available to you, that you don't have to be some kind of uh, special uh, fasting monk spunk. You got me. I mean, come on, folks. Is anybody like do you know anybody like that? Well, I guess you all do. huh? Wake up anyway. But it, this is this is beyond human behavior. This is into understanding. And all you're getting, get it. You've got to understand these things. That if God put you down here as his servant in his vessel that he wants to use, he's got to equip you. If he puts you in situations where people are looking to you for help, he's got to be there with you and give you that kind of power and that encouragement. And you will be led accordingly. So only do what you're led to do. Don't do what you think might be wonderful. If we could get rid of so much wonderful, many wonderful people and get down to some real servants, we might be able to get some stuff done. But the minute we start getting wonderful and, 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 you know, all of that, just try to be a believer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I just, I just want to be a believer. Accomplish what believers do. Because by and large, the body of Christ doesn't do that. You all know it and I know it. And so if, if we can do that, I was listening to somebody, uh, Bill Withers. Anybody remember him? I probably have you know spoken this before but they did a a uh, special on him and i didn't know it but well he had he was very popular i guess during the 70s that song lean on me that they play all the time with the feel good you know things commercials uh he wrote that but he said he had a stuttering problem all of his life and he would write songs and he talked about some of the challenges he had as a stutterer. He was given an award by a group that, uh, you know, a support group for stutterers. And he was, he's got a lot of wisdom. You know, sometimes people, if they're locked off to themselves a little bit, they can contact God Amen. and get real wise and come out with profound stuff. And he said that, he said, 
somebody was saying something about uh, him coming back and doing more music. And he said, he said, yeah, you know, he said, all these people keep coming to me, younger people, he says. He said, and, and they want to be wonderful. That was his word. He said, they all want to be wonderful. He said, but what I tell them is this. He said, on your way to wonderful, you'll pass a place called all right. He said, begin to learn how to like it there. He said, because as long as you're all right, you're all right. He said, very few people get to wonderful and very few people can stay there. He said, so don't hate all right. He said, because if you and I thought about that and I said, now, didn't God say not to despise the day of small things? Amen. Because <clears throat> that may be your calling is to dwell there and abide there and let that be sufficient for you. You know, find a happiness there and find a joy there so that you're not trying to pull things out of nowhere for whatever reason, you know, whatever reason. So the prophet's office requires this. These are requirements, folks. And anything required, we can trust God to provide it. You got me? He provides the required things. So Jesus operated in the gift of faith in John chapter 6 when he fed the multitude. Amen. It takes supernatural faith to sustain a miracle. Because if you're looking at something that doesn't happen every day. If you're not in a different level of faith to be able to stay there. Your mind will go into shock and you'll pull yourself out of it. People shorten their miracles a lot that way. It's just you just flip over into the natural realm. You you short out instead of allowing the spirit of God to help you flow into it and stay in that zone. You kind of get in there and get in your carnal frame and you, you short out and pull out of it. And then you shorten the duration of your miracle. For instance, if Jesus had had started passing out bread and got excited. Oh, look at this. Praise the Lord. Hello. As so many of us are wont to do sometimes. See, I've seen it happen. A healing line will start, you know, you start to see results in a healing line. And all of a sudden, the minister flips over into the flesh and flips out of the spirit and there goes the next guy goes home sick you know you can get criticized because you try to stay in the zone with God oh aren't you excited about that or aren't you well aren't are you check yourself you know what I'm saying? Why Why you got to take a survey about how I feel about things? Huh? I'm trying to get people well. I'm not trying to impress you. Come on now. We lose so much because of people pleasing and people nonsense. And people that aren't going to read their Bible and going to try to, and the devil will put something on them to pick at you because you do. So lead in people alone. You'll go much farther in God if you keep short accounts with that kind of people. Okay. So 
So God begins with a need. Okay, This is how all miracles begin. And don't we know of a lot of them? I mean, out of, there's no place you can go where we're short on needs. So the people had stopped, uh, followed Jesus nonstop for several days into the wilderness and needed food. Now, why did he not turn them around? I mean, come on now. Meeting's gone for two days. Nobody's eating anything. Hmm? Why did we get ourselves into this? Huh? Huh? Because Jesus had the spirit without measure. He trusted the Holy Spirit 100%. He wasn't going to get anxious about anything. He had total confidence that if these people had been following me for several days and haven't eaten anything, God's been taking care of them so far, he's going to take care of them the rest of the way. So when the anointing was over for the regular meeting, he began to look and see that the people had a need for food. Well, the same God that kept them out there all them days was going to feed them too. And he didn't want to send them home hungry. Good shepherds do that. It amazes me how many people are hungry in churches And they never get fed natural food. Nobody even knows they have a need when they get in there. You got me? I mean, seriously. That need could be taken care of. All you got to do is have bagels and coffee when you come home and come in. If anybody's hungry, nobody knows it. You got me? We don't have to know what your situation is, but God provides. You understand what I'm saying? Just, Just normal things like that. People think, you know, I've heard preachers say, well, you, if you do too much for people, <laughs> look in the mirror and say that to yourself. God don't do too much for me. Is that stupid or what? Huh? Well, they'll never learn how to feed. They've been feeding. How'd they get to your church? They must have fed themselves one day in their lives to be able I get a little unnerved. So Jesus gets a word of wisdom from God the Father. He says, feed them because they're not going to make it. Under the anointing, they could probably have stayed there. But when they start to break up and that cloud of of protection isn't over them because of Jesus preaching in his presence, everybody's going to go their separate ways now. So they don't have that sustenance. What did Peter say when Jesus, you know, when <clears throat> Jesus asked Peter, he said, are you going to leave me too? You know, remember he did the preaching on the blood and all that stuff and people started scattering. Scared of vampires, I guess. I don't know. He asked Peter, are you going to leave me too? And he said, where am I going to go? You got the words of life. Amen. See? They followed him because the life get came forth when he spoke. That sustained them. So now the meeting's breaking up. They don't have the words of life keeping them alive now. So the father tells Jesus, you know, come on, let's, let's feed these people. And Jesus, without fear, asks, tells the disciples about the feeding, and they get paranoid, start blaming each other and pointing the finger at each other. 
like they always do. Huh? But yet he works with them. Amen. It's like he does us. He expects us to work with one another even though we ain't all there sometimes. And so, so he says, you know, he begins to feed the people. And as he's feeding them, he has a system that the Holy Spirit has given him and God's worked it out that he breaks it first, then he gives it to the disciples, and then the disciples give it to the people. Makes them sit down. Hmm? So they're not mobbing. And, huh? I'm telling you, good manners work everywhere, don't they? I'm telling you, he could get all these people seated and, you know, and sometimes I get nervous when we have friends and family day to make sure everybody's, you know, got a place and all that kind of, you know. And he's got everybody seated orderly in families so they can break bread together. The father can pass out and mother can pass out to the little ones and they can have a normal meal like they would if they were at home. This doesn't have to be a happy meal and everybody got a bag. Yeah. I'm going to lunch. Where's my coat? Thinking about y'all. Huh? I mean, we can have an orderly meal even with a happy bag. I mean, whatever. I don't care. I'm, I'm moving on. So Jesus looks to heaven for his answer. Huh? Took what he had, blessed it, broke it, never broke a sweat. Never had a doubt, never had a care, never had a fear. Nothing that the Father wouldn't show up and help and provide for all those people there. He sat them down first because he was expecting them all to get fed. You got me? The gift of faith will do that. It will expect the miraculous for a sustained period of time. So he's breaking bread and he gives it to 12 disciples. And as they break, it multiplies. So I'm thinking he only broke bread 12 times. So it's not like he's up there sweating, you know, in the barbecue pit trying to. This is no sweat. The gift of faith is a no sweat gift. You got me? As it was passed out, it increased. And that same piece of bread that he broke the first time to 12 men began to break again and again and again and increase. The same thing with the fish. Until they had leftovers. Huh? God never does anything halfway. The gift of faith is not a halfway gift. It's an all the way gift. If you're looking for a healing miracle, that miracle is all the way if the gift of faith is in operation. You have supernatural faith on that. It's always in operation, the working of miracles, just that people sometimes don't follow the instruction that they're given to the letter. The hardest thing is to get people to do that, get out of themselves, and just get in there in the spirit with you and just do what. You tell them to do, and they get it. Many people get part of it and then pull out of the spirit. But it was there for them to get it all. You understand me? The gift of faith was ever working. It was still working even when they walked away with part of it. And you can't really blame people 
because sometimes their mind is fixed on, well, I'm just going to, somebody's just going to pray for me and I'll go back to my seat and whatever happens, happens. I mean, that's what it's in their mind when they think about getting prayed for. They don't see the altar as a place where God can do it miraculously and get it over with. Some people do, though. Some people see themselves getting the whole thing. And so you have to rest in the fact that if you have prepared yourself, you've done what you're supposed to do, God has done what that situation called for to be done. So Jesus begins to pass the food out by the gift of faith. The disciples pass it to everyone till they're fed with leftovers. Who collects the leftovers? We'll speak up. You know your Bible, yeah. What did you think I was going to say no? <laughs> and what are the leftovers? Now, what do they consist of? Yeah, in that situation, but with us, what do we... Now, if you're praying for somebody and you give them what God has for them, there's leftovers all the time. Huh? The understanding. The fragments so that nothing would be lost. So you don't go into a situation and come out without getting some. You got to have an after, after the meeting talk with God. And get some understanding. God, what happened? Tell me what just happened. Tell me how that happened. Tell me what I could have done different to get more. Tell, tell, those are the fragments. See, for disciples, for the ones that study. The ones who want it. The ones who are willing to go back afterwards and not want to be wonderful and not want people to touch them. But the ones who are concerned with getting more from the master. Master, I know there was more in that. I want to know what what else was in that. Can you tell me what it is? Amen? Okay, so those are your fragments so that nothing would be lost. Plus, they're pretty tasty nuggets, too. If it was Pastor Shirley's catfish, we'd eat that the next morning. Go find us some grits and have breakfast. All right. So, okay. So the gift of the working of miracles. In the same example, we also see the gift of the working of miracles, which is defined as an interruption in the natural course of things. So that the will of God can be done. So before a miracle can happen, there generally has to be some intercession to interrupt the natural flow of things. Now, natural flow might be disease. You have a diagnosis, you have a prognosis, and it ain't looking good. So for somebody with that, the natural thing that you expect to happen is that they never recover, especially if it's an incurable illness, a condition that won't get any better, you know, that kind of thing. Say somebody who's dependent upon insulin, their body doesn't make it anymore. And so you have to understand that sometimes the natural course of things is something we don't want. Like Hurricane somebody, Sandy or whoever it was, you know, running around up there in New York. It's, everybody else scared to go to New York, but Sandy ain't. You don't go to New York unless you're from there <laughs> or visiting real quick. But uh, <clears throat> so... Interruptions in the natural course of things after things are set in motion, there's a natural course that you can expect. 
They can predict the duration of a hurricane, where it's going to land, what kind of damage it's going to, how strong are the winds, what's it bringing with it, all that kind of stuff. So a miracle would be something that interrupts Sandy. Mm-hmm. Makes her go back out to the sea, dissipate, start, what, stop, whatever. And so the working of miracles often work in intercession and work in prayer. That's where often you'll see your first results before God gives you a public anything or gives you lay hands on anything. You'll see results in your prayers. You must be skillful in the word. Now what skillful means? You handle it properly. So we have to be handlers, skillful handlers of the word first, and then we can act it out. Got me? Yeah. So every time you pray, say your healing prayer. Pay attention to what you're saying. And that word gets grafted in you, and that becomes your automatic answer to anybody who's got sickness. Huh? None of these diseases. Huh? None of them. Those words will challenge you. I can remember when I would just shrug and the people would tell me, I said, well, you can't get disease. God doesn't have any disease for you. Then when I hit 60, it was like none of what diseases. <laughs> I feel like. You understand what I'm saying? So you can be challenged by something you felt you mastered. Then you've got to re-challenge yourself to meet that challenge and overcome it in a different way. So, you know, I mean, it's, that's just life, folks. You know, it'll it'll hit everybody. <clears throat> Sometimes your confidence can be uh, in in life. You go through life fairly confidently and then you suffer a loss like losing a spouse or something like that. And it, it'll shock you how quickly your confidence will go down. And you'll think, well, what did that have to do with feeling secure and balancing a checkbook or anything like that? It's But we draw strength from those people that we love amen that that just happens automatically and so we'll find sometimes that we can be compromised in the way that we uh um perceive things thinking that we've mastered it once already and we get weak in it it's just another challenge to your faith see this is what the fight of faith is all about so many people have um missed god and suffered because they assumed faith instead of having faith. Huh? It's like Muhammad Ali used to, you know, talk about, I'm going to knock Joe Frazier out in three rounds. Joe Frazier, Joe Frazier. You know, he's love to mess with him. Joe Frazier could hit hard. You know, my husband used to watch him, you know, fight. He said, oh, man, that's... He said, that brother hit hard. He said, you don't want to meet him in an alley somewhere. But, you know, he was. He was then he was known to hit hard. And so they thought Ali was out of his mind trying to predict being able to. He beat him once or twice. I forget what it was. And Joe Frazier beat him. But the thing of it is, he had to have something besides his words to back up what he was saying he could do. He had... Training. He had, yes, all of that, all of the above. You can't just say it and go in and hit somebody and think you get to. Same thing with us. You got me? You've got to have the goods, as they say, you know, and amen. So you've got to be known to have the goods. So, <clears throat> so the gift of the working of miracles suspends the natural course of things or the natural course of nature, as when Jesus calmed the sea. 
in Mark chapter 4. It can cause healing, restoration, regeneration, or increase. Regeneration and increase we see in the feeding of the 5,000. That food began to be reproduce itself over and over and over again and increase. The working of miracles is a gift of the Holy Spirit that will bring about the will of God in a situation. The known will of God or the interceded for will of God or the spoken will of God. Somebody has to stand in that gap and say, this is not what God says in his word. He wants for this and this is what we'll do. Amen. So that's that's how that happens. The working of miracles also employs human effort and cooperation. And this is where you will have to stay focused on what God's saying and not let your mind wander over into the, the marvelous realm. You got me? You don't want to be marvelous and that kind of thing. Even though oftentimes working of miracles gets attention. Now a miracle is supposed to be something that grabs people's attention but points them toward God, not the person operating in the working. You got me? So God wants to make it known that he's the author of the miracle, but he expects you to work in it. Like when Jesus spit and, you know, made the clay out of some spit and put it on the man's eyes. If somebody spit and put it on me, that would draw a lot of attention, you know, and people would sit there and look. And that's what that's for, is to get attention to it so people will know that God did it. God knows how to make it known that he did it. All we have to do is be obedient to the will of God and jump in there and help somebody. People some talk, sometimes talk about the devil doing miracles. But the Bible says lying signs and wonders for people who are looking for signs. He will do lying signs. Like, for instance, the Long Island medium. I triple dog double dare her to heal somebody. Or pray for somebody who is sick. She don't go there. Why? Because she works in lying signs and wonders. See? They're from the dark side. It's not God's will to to have you talk to Aunt So and So. Is she gone? Huh? Leave her alone. She's having a good time up there with the Lord. She done found her. She knocking on doors of people. She oh yeah, I heard so and so's up here now. Let me go visit them. Uh, Leave her alone. Let her go do her visits and enjoy her life in God. And you take care of what's going on down here. Amen. And so when we think about situations like that, number one, the devil is not going to bring health and healing to anybody. Because healing does not belong to him. Write that down so that you'll remember it. Because people will try to say, well, I got healed and I don't know if God did it. Honey, if you got healed, God's the only one who can do it. Somebody give me a scripture. How do you know that? Hello? Speak up. What's it say? (laughs) How about... Himself took our infirmities. He himself took them. Nobody else has got them. You got me? 
He's the only one that took sickness for us. The only one. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So he took them off of us and carried them away. He takes away. The devil puts on. You got me? He takes away. The devil puts on. So the devil has no health to give us. That's too nice for people anyway coming from the devil. Are you kidding me? He steal, kill, destroy. That's all. Steal, kill, destroy. The lamb was slain from the foundation of the earth. He always took our sicknesses. He didn't take them just at Calvary. He always had them. So the devil couldn't get in there to get healing anyway. Creatures never above the creator. So the working of miracles also employs. Just write that down and y'all study that a little bit. Get that in you. You got me? Because what the enemy can do sometimes is make it appear certain ways. He's a master of deception. But he is not the healer, a healer, no healer. He has no healing in him, okay? Just sickness, death, and destruction. The working of miracles also employs human effort and cooperation because it's a gift to the church. The church is people. So God will use people. Praise God because we get around to places and we can be led by God in places where we can affect a healing and a cure for people. We're very powerful in that, in that respect. You need to know that. That God chooses to use us. Because we understand these things. We can relate to one another. We can be moved with compassion. There are many, many things that we have going for us that God can use when he needs to use them. So that's why he chooses to use us. We're the best equipped anything he's got down here on earth. Understand that. That you have a lot to offer if you'll give it to God, if you give him your all. So prophetic people are a part of the church. So when God makes a promise, he intends to keep it. So the prophet must be able to follow the instructions and prompting of the Holy Spirit to achieve the will of God. You've got to follow what he tells you to do. This means he must be willing to step into the work required to work miracles. The work required to work miracles. Jesus operated in this gift when he turned water into wine at the wedding of Cana. Raising Lazarus from the dead in John 11 is another example. Jesus left this ministry to his people. He wants us all to be prophetic people. That is, receive the same anointing that he had when he walked the earth in the office of the prophet. So everything that he has done, he expects his people to do because there's a need for it. If you take yourself out of it, then there's no way to earn this privilege of serving God. This is a ministry that's given to the saints. You got me? It's, it's part of your life. And what God expects us to do is to help in the equipping aspect of it. Help him to equip us. Don't stand in the way of the equipping. You got me? So look at it a little differently maybe than you've looked at it. Equipping isn't hard to do. It's like go pick that up and use it. 
That's what equipping is. you got to be trained how to use it. So you first put your hands into it. Say like, for instance, if you got a goldfish. <laughs> keep him alive now, with your prayers. And you go lay hands on a little tank and bless him and keep him going. And keep Nemo in the tank and out of the little thing and all of that. Then if you've got a cat or a hamster, you know, can hamster be there 50 years, you know, that kind of stuff. And let the hamster be who he is forever. Begin to gather the things that you love under the authority of God's spirit of life. That's what you do. You pull everybody in under that umbrella of eternal life and see how it goes. And then in... In praying, in praying your prayers with your prayer partners, listen to what you pray and begin to rehearse it in your own ears. That makes it easy for you to build up your faith for these different things. And then God will put somebody in your path that needs to be healed. Now, one of the things that I seldom do is experiment one with one another in the church. You got me? Know what I mean when I experiment? You go lay hands on sister so-and-so, she go lay hands on you, and let's play doctor. And we don't do that here. You got me? I feel there's enough sick, crazy people out there that y'all pass every day. If you're really serious about serving God, he will put somebody under your little hot hands or cold hands. I don't care. Hmm? <clears throat> if you got... Women, you know, you're in a good spot because husbands like for you to put your hands on them. I mean, <laughs> oh, Lord, look who done showed up. I should have known. <laughs> Mr. Perry, he's worthy. He's worthy. Yeah. <laughs> but for some reason, men like that. You know, I used to think my husband was afraid of me, me because, you know, sometimes he just didn't want prayer. He was for a season, but then he would say, oh, put your hand on me. That's hot. I like that. You know, that kind of stuff. So, and it's comforting. And then God gives you that to build your confidence that he's with you. You understand what I'm saying? Now, I I was married a lot of years, and he never told me that before God showed up in my life. You understand me? And so that anointing attracts people to you. It would have to attract people or we couldn't get anything done. But they're being attracted to the God in you and not you because you're so lovely and you're a little more bouffant today than you were yesterday, that kind of stuff. So let's cut it out, all right? Stop it. Stop it. And stay out of the picture and let God work. Amen. Just let him work. But this is how it's developed, folks. It's developed through you wanting to be obedient to God and saying, God, you know what? I want to do that. I want to do those things that you say I'm supposed to do. Amen. And so if we'll stay faithful to that, then then God will do what he'll use us. He wants to. He's ordained that we be used in this way. And we want to leave a little track record of our having been faithful to to, uh, pick up the equipment, to practice with the equipment, to utilize the equipment. Amen? So that we can help humanity. Why don't we stop? Now, uh, what time are we leaving, Nola? What time?